AI with Sally, a podcast that takes a closer look at some of the most interesting technology stories on artificial intelligence and machine learning. We'll hear about the latest in hardware and software that has a big impact on the world of AI. I'm your host, Sally Ward-Foxton. Welcome back, everyone. In this episode, we'll be learning more about the wireless IoT chips from Silicon Labs with dedicated AI acceleration on chip, based on an in-house matrix vector processor design. In this interview, we're going to use cases for these parts, but we also discuss everything from how the AI accelerator fits into the device's deep sleep modes to integrating AI into Silicon Labs software stack. You can hear that interview with Silicon Labs' Matt Mopin and Dan Cozen later in this episode. But first, some news. A spin-out of LG Electronics is commercializing the Korean electronics giant's IP for AI acceleration in consumer electronics, robotics, and automotive. LG spun out its semiconductor and IP divisions in 2020, and AIM Future still counts LG as one of its customers. The company's NeuroMosaic IP is already shipping in LG robot vacuum cleaners and washing machines, and was also in a concept refrigerator demonstrated at CES. This fridge could change the color of its doors when you knock on the glass and blinks to greet you when you approach. AIM Future's IP is scalable and is designed to handle multiple neural networks at once. The IP also supports learning at the edge, which the company said robot vacuum cleaners could use to learn about the furniture in your house during the 20 hours a day they're not in operation. A new generation of the IP is expected next quarter. If you'd like to read more about AIM Future, I'll put a link to my article on the podcast page at eetimes.com. Ultra-low-power microcontroller company Ambic Micro has launched an AI SDK for its sub-threshold and near-threshold driven parts. Running at sub-threshold voltages can save tons of power, but it isn't straightforward. Ambic's technology platform uses 50 to 100 design techniques to get around this, including analog, digital, and memory design. Designs have to run slower at sub-threshold, but for Ambic's market and wearable devices, this isn't such a problem. Recent innovations are increasing clock speed, by introducing more operating points into the company's dynamic voltage and frequency scaling schemes. The company has shipped high volumes of its microcontrollers into wearables already. The NeuralSpot SDK allows you to treat Ambix microcontroller as if it were part of Python to get up and running straight away. And Ambix libraries take care of power and memory configurations using presets, in case you're not familiar with sub-threshold hardware. The company intends to submit benchmark results in the next round of MLPerf Tiny. On the roadmap is also a dedicated Mac accelerator for AI inference and filter acceleration. Read more about Ambic Micro at eetimes.com. Israeli chip startup Halo released three new products this month. Their earlier product, the Halo 8, was a 26 tops coprocessor for industrial gateways and aggregators. But the new family is more of an SOC design for smart cameras with CPU, DSP, and Halo AI accelerator. There are three parts in the new Halo 15 series, offering 7, 11, or 20 tops. Power depends on the workload, but some customers are running them below 2 watts, according to the CEO of Halo, who I spoke to last week. These chips are for IP cameras, like security cameras or smart city-type installations. And crucially, they are software compatible with the Halo 8. The software already supports transformers like VIT for vision. The accelerator microarchitecture is apparently similar but improved, and we should find out more about that over the next few months. To read more about the Halo 15 series, head over to the podcast page at eetimes.com, where I've put a link to my story. Wireless IoT chip company Silicon Labs, based in Austin, Texas, 
is famous for its system-on-chip designs, which bring connectivity to millions of smart home and other IoT devices. The company is dipping its toe into AI acceleration, adding a matrix vector processor it calls MVP to a couple of high-end designs it recently launched. These devices have popped up in the MLPerf Tiny Benchmark results a couple of times, so I wanted to learn a little more about it. In a recent conversation with Matt Mopin, Senior Product Marketing Manager at Silicon Labs, and Dan Cozen, Senior Product Manager at Silicon Labs, we discuss everything from use cases for wireless IoT chips with AI acceleration, to how the AI accelerator fits into the device's deep sleep modes, to integrating AI into Simplicity Studio, which is Silicon Labs' integrated development environment for its devices. The first speaker you'll hear is Matt Mopin, and the second is Dan Cozen. Okay, welcome to the show. Matt Mopin and Dan Cozen uh, joining us from Silicon Labs today. Um, we're going to talk about the BG24 and the MG24. Um, this is the only family of Silicon Labs parts with dedicated AI acceleration today. Perhaps we could start by talking about kind of broadly what category of device um, is this that we're talking about and what kind of applications will, will these go into? Yeah, I could jump into that one. Um, you know, this device, when we talk about the BG24 and the MG24, they're two different devices that address different markets. So the BG24 is our Bluetooth and Bluetooth mesh device, and our MG24 is our multi-protocol device. So it not only does it do Bluetooth, Bluetooth mesh, but it also does 802.15.4 technologies like Zigbee, Thread, and of course, Matter. And this is really today our premier device. And what I mean by that is it's it's the most feature-rich device, has the highest amount of flash and RAM, and really a lot of differentiating features. You know, obviously AIML is just one of them. It's got things like a plus 20 dBm output power for RF to make sure you have very long-range reliable RF performance. Um, it has features like a 20-bit ADC, which I'll uh, talk about a little bit later. Um, and then there's a lot of other ones on there as well. You know, it, it does something like what we call Secure Vault, so it offers PSA uh, 3 certification. So, you know, really our high-end device. And because of that, it addresses a lot of markets. So this addresses, you know, things like smart home, connected medical, um, smart cities, commercial, et cetera. So um, that's one of the reasons that this device is an ideal device for this AIML accelerator is because it can address so many markets. It just opens up more to uh, for AIML at the edge. Why do we need a dedicated AI accelerator in a, a kind of wireless IoT chip like this? I mean, because I, I feel like we can do a lot of, you know, a reasonable amount of AI just with the Cortex-M33 that's already on chip. Um, why do these particular markets need dedicated AI acceleration? Okay, hi, this is Dan Coase, and I'm uh, helping out Matt on this. So um, because we're an SOC, right, so we, we do the wireless and the ML on the same chip, um, putting an accelerator in there helps us um, offload some of the neural network processing and really allows for the wireless to work without any um, delay, without any... Um, uh, interruption and the inferencing can occur at the same time. Okay, so why use a homegrown accelerator? Uh, why not license something from from Arm or somewhere else in the industry? Um, why did you decide to to develop this in house? Well, so we're, because we cover so many applications, um, this isn't purely just for ML. Um, we have other. Uh, applications that our vector processor can do. 
Um, and so we've been, you know, we took an approach of having a little more general um, capability. And um, yeah, and so we're able to accelerate ML as well as other operations. What kind of other operations might we be talking about in applications like these smart home things, for example? Yeah, so so that was um, the the accelerator uh, was also targeting location awareness um, and uh, angle of arrival, angle of departure kind of applications. Um, so being a little more generic in that way. So it's 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 more like a a general vector processor that can be used for both. Uh, depending on the application, I see. Um, can you tell us anything else about how the vector processor works? Um, it seems like it's it's fairly generic. It's not terribly specialized even towards AI. Um, maybe you could tell us a bit about how it works. How big is it? Um, so in terms of it, it is a matrix vector processor. Um, and it's a coprocessor, so you can offload the operations, let the let the MCU do its work, um, and offload those operations. So what we what we've done is we've implemented um, some of the standard, some of the TensorFlow kernels at that layer, and uh, and then are able to offload that whole operation um, and and let the uh, let the MCU do its work or go to sleep. I think your uh, published material says for the AI workload, um, we're talking about 4x faster with a sixth of the power versus the just running the AI workload on the M33. Um, I wondered whether I can get both of those numbers at the same time. Is it 4x faster and a sixth of the power or is it either or? Yes. And, and that's how. So what happens is the um, operation gets offloaded to the um, accelerator. The accelerator runs faster on its inference, um, but while it's running, the MCU can go to sleep. So you're getting that increased speed and you're, you're reducing the power because you're able to go to sleep faster. Um, so it is an and, you get 4X faster and 6x power. Perfect. Based on applications, of course. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of the, the sleep modes, um, the this family is part of the EFR32 series, and one of the selling points of that series is the various levels of, of deep sleep and the five different sleep modes. Uh, for those of us that are old enough to remember Energy Micro and all the different uh, various okay. deep, 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 deep sleep modes, um, I wondered whether the AI accelerator or the accelerator block, um, which sleep which sleep mode is it in, or which sleep mode is it active in? Um, is it possible to have the the M33 asleep while this is awake, and vice versa, or are they both in the same category? Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit on that, and then Dan can add if he he wants to. But I think one of the critical things here is. Um, I like to look as, at the RF as a, a perfect example of that. You know, one of the things we do to get low power RF is a lot of the, and in fact, in the system, if you're familiar with our different EM sleep modes, is there's a lot of things either the radio can do, the peripherals can do while the MCU is in a sleep mode or an idle mode. And it, the same things here. So, you know, if I'm doing something specific, um, 
the MCU can be in that sleep mode, as Dan mentioned before. And then, of course, when I need to transfer data or do something else with it, I can wake up the core. So, you know, that's really one of the things we're doing to get this low, lower power. And it's very similar. And then, of course, we look at this as a whole system. A lot of times you don't think about, um, you know, maybe this making that much of a difference. But, you know, if you're several milliamps with that core on and I'm reducing that, I'm not drawing that power during that time frame. And, of course, we also work on, you know, trying to make sure that we wake up very fast. So that's not really specific to the AIML, but it is specific to our system and our low power so the capabilities of the MCU going to sleep very fast, waking up very fast. And then there's a lot of things we can do transferring data between different peripherals while the MCU stays asleep. So that's sort of been an architectural consideration that we do with everything to make sure that we have that lowest power. And this follows uh, that same suit as well. So so when, when the MVP is operating, um, the CPU will go into its EM1 mode. Uh-huh. So we don't support all the different modes. Um, they're still it's still active because it it will need to wake up quick enough and send the data back, you know, and then move the data uh, into the processor to do the continued inferencing. Yeah, where if you're not familiar, EM0 is really our active mode. So there is a, a, a savings from EM0 to EM1 to EM2, et cetera. So you are saving power even though you're in EM1. You're not in a true active mode with the MCU. I see. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, so it's not that you've added extra modes; it kind of fits into the the sleep modes that you already you already had. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, maybe we can talk a little bit about software as well. Software obviously is absolutely crucial. Once you decide to add dedicated acceleration, you need to build an SDK or you need to build a software stack um, specifically for that. How are you doing on on that front? Um, and I wondered whether the SDK that you got for AI is part of Simplicity Studio or is it on its own? That's a great question. So, um, so we we engaged a, a network of partners um, with our with our solution. We're we're TensorFlow native, so in our our SDK, we we uh, support the TensorFlow um, microkernel. Um, and and so anybody have you know building a TensorFlow uh, light model can can run it in on the chip. The way we look at our software offering though is that we look at the skills of our um, developers and bucket it into sort of three main buckets. There's the experts that really know TensorFlow, they know Python, they've been familiar with it and they can build their own models and they understand all the ins and outs of, of doing it properly. On the whole other side of the spectrum, there we call them the solutions, where, where basically it's people who want the ML capability, but they really don't have the uh, staff, they don't have the understanding, they really would like to have a um, uh, black box solution. And in the middle, we're, we're, we're calling, we call them explorers, people who sort of know uh, the concepts, but really need a curated um, experience, you know, sort of like the full workflow from gathering data all the way to creating the, the model library. So, so we, we've, we offer um, options with partners that are integrated with our SDK across that whole spectrum of users. And if you look at our landing page, it, and we just keep on building those, those um, offers. So 
Um, you can look at our landing page and then see how we segment by application, user skill, and then software offering. Directly within Simplicity Studio, um, we, we support that expert, right? The one that knows TensorFlow, knows Python, um, and, and we have a couple, we have two different sort of flavors. One is we have a um, open source, self-serve, community-supported toolkit. Um, we call it the MLTK. It's for the TensorFlow developer. Um, and it really is, you can call it sort of like a reference package of an end-to-end, -end, so from training to deployment um, set of Python packages. Um, the MLTK, that's something that uh, we offer for the for the experts. Um, but again, you know, we partner with Edge Impulse, Sensimal, a lot of the uh, standard sort of player sensory, uh, micro AI, AI Zip, AI TAD, Neutron, all those are integrated with our SDK um, and are off and are options people can use. If I felt like I am an expert and I just wanted to use your SDK, is it possible to just use your SDK on its own without going to Edge Impulse and so on? Yeah. It's a full set, right? Yeah. It, full set, full offering. So TensorFlow native, come with your TF Lite file and uh, run the profiler to see that it fits. Yep. And um, yeah, and load it up and give it a try. Uh, do you have a large model zoo that I can take a look at? Like how many types of mo different mo different types of models do you have up and running? We don't we don't offer a specific model zoo. Okay. Um, we kind of offer it, we offer it as um, different, you know, it's sort of like a, tutorial training through the MLTK of how to build, say, an audio signature application. Yeah, I'll chime in a little bit on this because I'm, I'm not, I'm more of a, uh, a hands-on person as far as trying to understand things. And actually yesterday um, we did a tech talk on AIML. And what I loved about it is one of our FAEs actually demonstrated um, since ML and how they could use that to actually get data, create a data set, train device, and test a device. And it was real interesting seeing that. And we did that with one of our eval boards uh, with a fan hooked up. So it was using that an acceleration sensor to take the data, log that data, and, and do the examples. And then that information was able to be exported into Studio to actually import into the project. So for me, you know, this that was made it more real. And also the fact that this stuff is pretty new. So there's going to be a lot of customers that may not really understand this. And that's going to help them get started. So as Dan commented on, you know, we really address the whole variety, the experts all the way to the people that want to just take a deployed system. Maybe they just want to do voice tagging or something like that. And they can just sort of take a complete package. Um, so it's really great to start taking this and advancing it at the edge. Super cool. Um, do you have any feeling yet for what kinds of um, models people are running? Are we looking at person detection, sound detection, keyword spotting, like audio cameras or, you know, any particular areas that have been popular so far? Yeah. So so the areas that we sort of fit well into and, and we have a lot of uh, sort of demand 
um, starts at that sort of low sensor rate, right? The the predictive maintenance IMU sort of uh, type of um, input um, going up to audio signature, um, where I, I call it audio signature, non-voice audio signature. So it's like um, gunshot or glass break or um, you know even squeaks, right? Um, and then and then moving up into voice where it would be a wake word or a or a voice command um uh and and that's not like sentence recognition it's just you know words you know small vocabulary of words okay google or whatever yeah right something yeah. like that um and then and then we're we're just sort of with the with the with the power of our processor the um, XG24s, we're just able to scrape into the sort of image um, segment with low res uh, kind of IR camera input. So maybe 96 by 96, you know, grayscale or, um, you know, low frame rate for things like uh, person detection or um, occupancy detection, uh, people flow, something like that. So that that sort of covers the range of the processor and and uh, that we have and the applications that we can serve. Can you tell me anything about what is on your roadmap for AI? Um, are you planning to add dedicated accelerators to more parts in the range, and if so, which ones? Or are you working on a new generation of accelerator? You know, where where are you going to go from here? Yeah, I could talk a little bit about that. Um, you know. Obviously, you, you mentioned the XG24, we have it today, it is shipping and in production. We have announced the SIWX917. This is a Wi-Fi device, and it, we do have information, so if you look on the webpage, you will see that it also does have an AI ML accelerator. So those are really the only two devices that we've announced today. Um, and you know, I think the key here is that we really believe that this is something that's gonna be important in the future. And I think a great example is what we did with our Secure Vault. Our Secure Vault in 2019, we first brought that out and it was leading edge. And we sort of did that honestly before you know, a lot of customers were asking for it. You know, obviously we had some, but it wasn't really what I would consider mass market appeal. And since then, you know, now we're in 2023, that was four years ago, um, you know, this has become more critical. And we believe this is going to follow the same path. So this is something that we believe is critical. Obviously, it's going to be on certain devices. If I'm doing, if I have a device that is very niche, for example, if I do something that's very specific to maybe a, a, a shelf tag, maybe it doesn't belong there. But as you go up the scale, it definitely is something that we see very important and we'll be continuing on. The other thing I wanted to sort of chime in on a little bit is, you know, Dan was talking about some of the applications. And, you know, obviously we're engaged with a lot of customers and that are doing those typical applications. Um, however, one of my favorite is something that I hadn't really thought about or seen before, and I can't really go into too much detail, so I'll keep it at a high level. But we have an existing customer that basically is using this to enable a new feature on a product that is already wireless today, but it's really helping them enable something that can add some differentiation. Um, and what I love about it is they also took some other features. For example, one of the things I talked about was the 20-bit the ADC. So it's a very high-resolution ADC. So this device was, think of it as um, having a traditional method of detecting um, a failure as a safety feature. 
Okay. And now what they're doing is they're with ML at the edge. Um, they need a very fast response, less than 25 milliseconds. They're able to add this new feature where they could actually detect this earlier. Um, and not only that, but now they could start to use this data to actually get more information and improve their product and maybe maybe be able to do other things because of the data set they're getting now. And again, what I loved about it is, you know, the fact that we offered a couple of these different features, they could have implemented this today or, you know, on their current product, but it would have taken probably three chips. Yeah. <laughs> you would have had a, a, you know, you would have had an analog front end. You would have had an MCU, higher end MCU with some type of AI um, offload or ML offload, and then the wireless device. Now we've integrated that all into a single device. So they're able to hit a price point that they couldn't do before and really add differentiation. And it's not one of those typical applications that Dan talked about that we see a lot. This was something that to me was really surprising. I didn't think about it. And it's really interesting to see how our customers are actually going to come up with different features that they couldn't do before because of this integration. Yeah, I think we're only starting to scratch the surface of the types of applications that ML at this scale can go into. Um, hear about new ones every day, and it's very exciting. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's such a horizontal play. And there's a, there's. I'm just going to throw another sort of innovative use of ML that. Sure. Again, in it's in our MLTK. People can look at it, um, but typically people think of ML as just pattern matching, like look for some patterns and then do some actionable event. Um, but this is sort of turning it around where it's saying, where it's using ML to create a unique signature of a like voice print or fingerprint. And so it's sort of taking that that, that neural network and, and you know how it, it will determine, typically it'll determine like Oh, the finger, you know, it, this is an apple. It's sort of 70% looks like an apple, right? It's, it's not exactly an apple, but it looks enough like an apple. Well, that creates a, a, a signature, turning that around and, and being able to create a unique signature based on a unique imprint, unique, unique input is just another innovative way to use the, you know, neural networks. Um, and so we have, so, in fact, Sensimal is doing a, a demo where they're using voice authentication um, prototyping, you know, in their smart door lock with that uh, functionality. So that's super, that's super cool. Uh, I wonder how much horsepower it takes to do voice authentication, though. It sounds like a, a complex one. It's just using the same neural network. It's using the same inferencing. It's the exact same power. That's cool. As 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 detecting, you know, sort of like some, some audio signature. That's that's super cool. Thanks so much, Matt Mopin and Dan Kozen from Silicon Labs for the insight into the MVP and what Silicon Labs customers are doing with it. That brings us to the end of the episode. Please tune in again next time to hear more news and views on AI, machine learning, and the technologies that enable them. If you're listening to this on the podcast page at eetimes.com, links to articles on topics we've discussed are shown on your left. AI with Sally is brought to you by Aspencore Media. The host is Sally Ward-Foxton and the producer is James Ede. Thank you for listening.